Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 28. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and today you listen to Matt Hutner, a first-degree black belt originally from Boston and now lives in Shanghai, and he's the president of Vitacle Health Group. He talked about how execution trumps strategy, the importance of believing in yourself, and he also shared a tool that helps people better understand their relationships with themselves, self-awareness, and others' social awareness, the Johari Window. Matter of fact, on my final thoughts after the interview, I expand even more on the Johari Window concept. So stay tuned right after this Live Jiu-Jitsu's message. Us. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Live Jiu-Jitsu. Live Jiu-Jitsu supports social projects in Brazil and the United States who offer free jiu-jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities. Inspiring, impacting, and improving their lives, keeping them away from drugs and crime, creating hope, and creating champions on and off the mats. Your donation helps projects to buy new mats, uniforms, tournament registrations, and the monthly expenses of these projects. As a supporter, the BJJ Mental Coaches donate all the profit of t-shirts and patches sales to Live Jiu-Jitsu. For more information, please visit www.liveju-jitsu.org is www.liveju-jitsu.org. Let me introduce you to today's guest, Matt Hutner. Matt is a first-degree black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and the president of Vitacle Health Group, a collection of Australia and New Zealand's leading supplements, health foods, and sports nutrition products brands. He has over 10 years of experience in business building in mainland China for top private equity firms. Matt is fluent in Mandarin, Chinese, and French. Matt lives in Shanghai with his wife and son, and he also teaches jiu-jitsu classes. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Pastor, thank you. So I've been getting some different people here. I put entrepreneurship, BJJ, and Google, and let me see what I can find. Looking in Europe, looking different. So I got a few names. I saw your name in an article. I'm like, hey, let me hit him up. So I'm glad that you're here. Thank you so much for having me. So, how did the BJJ show up in your life? You mentioned that you're, you're originally from Boston, right? Yeah. So, actually, growing up uh, in Massachusetts, I was a wrestler. Um, so, I, you know, nothing in special, but in middle school, and I was a, a varsity wrestler in high school. And uh, my senior year, I uh, broke my back. Um, and I was actually laid up. I was in a body brace for 23 hours a day for about eight months. Yeah. Um, and I slowly then started coming back after that. And uh, I would go hang out at the club at, at the university I went to. I would go hang out at the club wrestling room and kind of watch people practice. And I tried to do some things, but it would, my back would hurt. And then after uh, wrestling practice, I saw a bunch of people rolling around in their pajamas. And hmm. so uh, I was like, oh, that, that looks like maybe I could try that. You know, it doesn't look so hard. And so uh, that, was, that was the start. Nice. And how do you feel BJJ relate to life? Man, I, I use so many principles of BJJ uh, in my life, um, you know, for it, it, for different reasons. Um, first of all, for me, I have a very high stress uh, job and I travel a lot. And so, um, you know, for it to be a friendly place that I can walk into and to, you know, where I can speak a common language with people across cultures. I've trained in Vietnam, in France, in Korea, in Japan, in India, in pretty much anywhere you can, you can imagine. So um, I think that's, that's very important for me. I also, as I, I wrote in my article, there's this concept, the BJJ concepts of like making frames is very, very important. So as we know in jujitsu, if we rely on strength, someone could be stronger. But if we have a structural frame, we're going to be able to use more leverage and in sort of um, in our technique. 
the same is really tr what I try to do in business. Like if you, the analogy that I always make there is that if you're relying on people or you're relying on sort of hard work alone or, you know, working long hours, well, people can get tired, people can leave, people can, um, you know, disappoint you. But if you can build an organizational structure or if you can build processes that will make your business strong and successful regardless of who operates those, then, then that's going to be a stronger and more resilient business. Um, other things that I think about that BGA is very important and especially as a, you know, a, a, an executive and a leader of a company, um, BJJ is very, jujitsu is a very ego destructive sport, right? And, and martial art, you know, so it doesn't matter. You're used to being the boss, you know, you're used to having people do the thing, do what you know, what you want to do. Every time you step on the mat, no one cares who you are, what your job is. And, and there's a lot of, especially as I'm getting older, a lot of young guys mm -hmm. trying to trying to choke me, trying to, trying to kill me. So, so it, it's really always very humbling. Um, I still get scared every time I, I step on the mat and, you know, especially in a new, new gym, you know, and, and so it, it's a great reminder to, uh, to stay humble. And when did you have the spark to pursue your vision? Cause now, you know, how long you've been living away from the United States? Uh, about 11 years. Okay. So when did you have the spark to pursue your vision? So I went to university, uh, to Yale University as a French major. I, I started studying French when I was um, really young, uh, when I was in uh, year, year seven, year six, year seven, and um, really fell in love with the language, studied for a summer in the south of France when I was in high school. And so I, I um, really wanted to pursue the language. When I, when I got to, to university, I picked up Chinese as an elective class. Um, and, uh, and, and it was such a challenge. Um, it really, uh, I really got into it. And so spent the, the majority of my time, uh, in universities learning the Chinese language. I studied through a Princeton program, uh, for the summer in, in Beijing and, and really enjoyed that. And then when I graduated from university, I said, Jesus, I, I, I spent all this time learning this difficult language. I was the, the first student, uh, to, in, for, for Yale to, in the history of Yale, to write a senior thesis in Chinese. You know, I really sort of worked on this language thing. I said, I got to move over there, you know. So I, I just, I, I didn't really have too much of a plan. I uh, moved out to Hong Kong originally with the management consultancy that I was working for. Didn't enjoy that, quit my job, showed up in Beijing and um, tried to, started, started pounding the pavement and, and the rest is history, as they say. Yeah, and how, especially, you know, I know the feeling of leaving your home country and go to another place. So how was dealing with some of the fears, anxieties of starting this new chapter, going to a new place? And how was the, that transition in the beginning and how long it took you to actually get situated? Look, it's, it's, always, uh, it's always difficult, as you know, living outside of your own uh, culture and, uh, and your, especially your own language. Um, for me, it was, it was also very exciting. Um, what I'd always say is uh, China is a lot of things, but it's not boring. Um, mm -hmm. so, so they always had that constant stimulation. Um, that being said, though, uh, it, it, it's still hard to this day. You know, it's, there's still challenges that, um, that, that you have to deal with. And I, I try to push forward. I try to stay positive. And when I have this, you know, anxiety and these doubts, I try to, my mantra is sort of be kind to yourself and be kind to others. You know, mm -hmm. I say, Hey, it's okay that I'm, you know, that I'm feeling bad today. It's okay that I'm, you know, uh, the pollution's bothering me or, you know, I, I didn't know, I didn't understand what that guy said in Chinese and, you know, that, that, you know, annoyed me, you know, just sort of be, be, be kind and, uh, try to make some progress every day. Do you like, do you like reading and stuff like personal development? Are you into um, reading or, you know, anything like that? You know, I, I love to read. I don't tend to read too many of, um, the biz business books and sort of personal help, um, mm -hmm. you know, kind of books. I've read some like four hour work week or, mm -hmm. um, you know, the personal MBA and some of these things. But, um, the last books that I read actually was this set of about 20 novels mm. written by a Dutch sinologist on the, uh, Tang Dynasty, their mystery novels, uh, the Tang Dynasty Judge Di Renjie. So it's essentially the Sherlock Holmes 
of uh, you know, 15th or 16th century uh, China. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it, was, it, was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, um, I remember actually Tim Ferriss talking about this, that he said at night, he doesn't like to read anything that is going to really stimulate him to have new ideas or business or personal development. He tried to get something that it gets him completely off. So it doesn't get, you know, maybe get even possibly sleepier, but not actually something is going to really wake him up and be like, whoa, his brain um, is being, I was just curious, how is the scene, you know, over there as far as personal development and stuff? Cause in, a, in, in us, it's very strong and has been growing for a long time in Brazil. I feel that it's starting like baby steps. People have been talking more, you know, more information from the United States getting there. So I was just curious if you notice any, anything there. China and in, 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 in personal development and particularly mental health is, is almost non-existent. You know, it's wow. really not a, a part of Chinese culture mm -hmm. to have doubts um, or to, to admit that you're struggling. Um, management and leadership training and these institutions are very underdeveloped here. Um, and I think that's just maybe a development stage that the, the economy's in and also, you know, part of, of a little bit of Chinese culture. Um, that being said, there are organizations like uh, this organization, I'm a part of Young Presidents Organization or YPO, that's a global organization. They have several chapters in, in China. And these are Chinese CEOs who come together to discuss business, personal, family issues, and, and, and to have a support mm -hmm. network. So I'd say it's starting, but, but, but very, very, very early stages. Mm-hmm. So what would you say it's one of the biggest struggles that you have in your professional career? And what did you learn from it? Well, I, I struggle constantly. You know, um, work-life balance is a constant issue um, for me. You know, I traveled, uh, I was on a plane about 350,000 miles last year, um, which, which is, is very, very difficult. Um, also, you know, self-confidence and, and frankly dealing with anxiety is, is also a, a, a constant struggle. You know, you have your good days where you feel bulletproof and you're on top of the world, you know, and then you have, I have a lot of other days where something goes wrong and I'm just like, man, you know, I don't even know if I'm cut out for this business thing, you know, maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm doing, you know, should just teach jujitsu or, you know, you know, or do, do, do something else, you know? Um, but, but the way I sort of, um, get, get through it is, uh, I've been working a lot and, and my wife actually reads a lot of stuff about mental health, about meditation. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there's a few principles that I try to keep in mind that I feel really help me. Number one is I mentioned that principle of being kind to myself and kind mm -hmm. to others. So I say, Hey, if I'm feeling bad today, like that's okay. Like, you know, I'm allowed to feel bad. You know, that's, that's number one. Number two is, um, this is something I've been working a lot. I feel a lot, a lot on, I feel the more in my business career, especially control is an illusion. You know, sometimes you think you can control everything. And then sometimes you feel, you know, that you can't control things or things are out of control or something mm -hmm. bad happens. But the reality is, is the, the degree to which you can control life is probably similarly small in all situations, you know? And so because there's so everyone thinks the harder you work or the more you prepare, it'll guarantee a better outcome or a more profitable year or more followers or mm -hmm. higher sales. But, but the reality is there's a lot of factors that can, <laughs> that can get in the way sometimes. So um, feeling, feeling that control, things are not always in control is, is helpful to me. And then finally, um, I'm actually in the process of uh, designing a tattoo, my first tattoo, um, mm -hmm. which is a family motto that uh, uh, my wife and I came up with, which is uh, stay alive, stay together, you know, and at the end of the day, man, all this business stuff, all these things we're worrying about, kids, education, money, these kind of things, you know. We'll figure all that out as long as we can stay alive. That's important. Mm -hmm. And I see more and more people who are struggling with that, right? You know, as we, as we get older and, and things happen, you know, and, and then also just staying together with, with my family and, and loved ones. Cool. And besides what you just mentioned, what, I don't know if there's any, any topic or concept that you'd like to share with the listeners. We do have a lot of people who are new to entrepreneurship, they, they start in business or a lot of people in transition that 
happen a lot that I get from a lot of the listeners that they're, they're in a position that they're not happy where they at, but you know, sometimes don't even know when to actually pull the trigger on the decision. But what would you like to share with the listeners about a, a concept that you can suggest to them? Sure. So I, I thought of a, of a few things. The first, and I think one of the most important is that uh, execution trumps strategy every time. And what I mean is by that is you constantly see people who are running successful businesses that have what you'd call, quote unquote, a bad strategy, or maybe when they started, it was a bad strategy. But the difference is they went out and did it. Mm-hmm. And whereas a lot of people spend a lot of time thinking and planning and, and all these kind of things, but don't necessarily do things. So I say in any business, um, if you're thinking of starting a business, just you know, you can take some time to plan, but just go out and actually start making some concrete steps. Um, and I think oftentimes the strategy will develop over, over time or more organically because it's hard to think of everything um, at the start. I think that's, that's number one. Mm-hmm. Um, number two is um, if, you know, if you don't believe in yourself, and this is you know, corny and cliche, but if you don't believe in yourself, no one else will. So, you know, I, I talk to people who say, you know, oh, I'd love to, to be an entrepreneur, you know, or I'd love to do this, but, you know, I don't have any experience, so I'd never be able to raise any money. It's like, well, if you don't believe you ha- you're going to be able to raise any money, then certainly no one's going to give you any money. You know what I mean? Yeah. A, a, a lot of the entrepreneurs I see who are successful are these people who have this totally often irrational belief in themselves. They say, yeah, I'm just going to go to do this. And if this guy says no, I'll ask the next guy. And if that guy says no, I'll ask the 10th guy until I'm successful. So I really do believe that self-belief is, is very important. Um, and then finally, for, for uh, managing, at the end of the day, companies are just people, right? They're just collections of people. Um, and there, I think most CEOs will tell you that their people are the most important asset in their business. Um, and the principle to, to build and develop talent is always to hire slowly and fire quickly, right? So you want to hot, spend a long time evaluating talent and, and, and making sure someone's a good fit. And then as soon as you find out they're not a good fit, you need to exit them from your business because they're going to cause problems. However, most entrepreneurs, myself included, are guilty of the opposite. You hire quickly because you say, oh man, I need people. I need to do mm-hmm. something. All oh, you can do what you do. And then you fire slowly. You say, oh, you know, he's not such a bad guy, you know, or oh, if he left, you know, no one would, I'd have no one and then I'd be in trouble. So most people do that um, the opposite and uh, it really can, can kill your business. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's interesting about the confidence also about believing in yourself. Definitely, this is a huge one if you're being an entrepreneur. And there's one of my favorite books I mentioned here a few times, Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. It's uh, one of my favorite books. And it talk about the two types of confidence, situational confidence and full self-confidence. Situational, mm-hmm. as long as I have this scenario here, I'm confident. It's like in jujitsu, as long as I'm in a side mount on a top, or right. I have my knee in the belly, you know what I mean? You know, I right. feel super confident. If I go with my bottom, you know, it's not going to be the same. So this is very interesting that uh, it's a good transition. I mentioned about this in jiu-jitsu too. People, they're like, are you feel confident? Yeah, I am. And then comes out the list of the competitors. Oh, my God, did you see who signed up? That guy signed up well. So it was a situational uh, right. type of confidence, you know? Instead of being like, hey, regardless who is coming, I'm ready and uh, – not necessarily that you're going to win, but you're going there to do the best you can with what you know. Exactly. You know, so, so different, different views. And yeah, and entrepreneurship absolutely is not for everyone. And something that I learned too from Gary Vaynerchuk, I always mention this concept here to the people who have entrepreneurial DNA and people who have entrepreneurial tendencies. That entrepreneurial tendencies sometimes people get involved with the business and then as soon as struggles start to hit and they're like, oh man, I'm out and this is not for me, you know, had the tendency like, you'll be nice to have a, a business. Yeah, you know, right. Have the people have the DNA that they don't know anything else. They don't know any other difference. It's just business and they didn't work. No, probably going to start another business that they're going to do something else. So I think people need to really understand themselves to before they go in, like, is it really 
for me because sometimes people have the you mentioned about the four hour work week from Tim Ferriss. People have the wrong perception. They have no idea how much Tim Ferriss works and worked in exactly. that to be where he's at. It's an amazing book too. That a lot of things that hit me years ago. Like I think I don't know when I read this, 2010 or 12, somewhere in between there. It made a big impact on me. A lot of things, you know. So it's a great book for people who want to check it out. Uh, now, let me ask you about habit. Um, what is a one high-performance habit that you can say that you use in jiu-jitsu and life and business every day? Okay, I, I, this is something that I struggle with, but the, 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 the most thing that I, the habit that I try to build is, is living in the present. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, you know, in jiu-jitsu, a lot of times um, when people struggle, they feel their jiu-jitsu is not progressing. It's because every time they step on the mat, they're carrying the weight of, oh, man, that guy, guy got me last time. Or, man, I got stuck in side control, you know, that time I didn't know how to get out. Or, you know, oh, I usually beat him. I'm not doing so well today. Or, man, I got, what do I got to do after this? It, each role, each day, each you know, time you step on the mat is, can be tackled independently, right? can be a new opportunity. It's a clean slate, you know? It's, the, again, the classic sort of cliche the past is gone. It doesn't matter. The future is unknown. So you can't control it anyway. All we have is sort of the present. So it's the same thing in business, you know. Um, tr I, you know I'll, I'll walk in on Monday, you know, and I'll be like, oh, my God, I'm so stressed. You know, I have these conference calls and I have a board meeting next week and I got to give a speech in a conference. And then I have, a, you know, two hours of sales meetings on Thursday. And, man, I'm, and I'm just like, wait a second. Um, what do I have to do now? You know, let mm. me just, let me just do what I have to do now, you know, and, and, and let me take one step, one step at a time. And then when I collapse my war, or, you know, in the jujitsu example, man, I'm not going to think about this guy always beats me or he's, you know, or, you know, oh, he's inside control. And I tried, tried, I tried to, you know, you know, do the sweep and it didn't work. Okay. Let me just protect myself right now. Am I getting choked right now? I'm not getting choked. Okay. Let's go from there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know, and I, let, let me get some frames. Oh, I got my frames. Okay, look good. You know, so it's that type of um, being present uh, uh, that I, I really try to cultivate. Yeah, one of the, it's actually a suggestion for something that I personally use and for all the listeners too, especially nowadays, man, you know, people are busy. We have all kinds of distractions, phone, TV, computer, whatever. We have all kinds of distractions that don't help us being present, you know, and it's part exactly. of it. So we, we need a few tools to help to battle this. And one that I have that I learned from my actually high performance coach, Brandon Bouchard, which is just utilizing your phone in your favor. For example, I have different phrases or, or alarms with different things. For example, I have one at 2 p.m. just just... It's just when I least expect 2 p.m., boom, the alarm come up with the phrase, how present are you? And mm. a lot of the times I look at them like, wow, I'm not present at all. I'm in la-la land right now. You know, wow. so it helps me to like oh, bring it back and then reset. So this is something good for you, for the listeners. Just put random, you know, sometimes it could be in a meeting or whatever. It's just, but just, just for the, and you're in like completely different world. And then just that reminder pops up and like, oh, wow, you know, okay, yeah present so i have all kinds of different ones and one one of my favorite ones that uh, that i have it's a good suggestion too it's is just say uh, how old are you of course it's a stupid question but like yeah come on what in my case you know i'm about to turn 44 but i'm still 43 so the point is not like yeah i'm, yeah, I'm 43 now to think about like right now how old are you right now maybe you're having a little fit and you're seven years old right now, you know what <laughs> right. I mean? Like, I'm like, now nah, I'm grumpy for some reason. And they look at it like, dude, you're being like eight years old. So when this happened, I start laughing. I'm just like, oh my God, and like now nah, I'm 43. I'm over that, you know? So that's right. one of those things you're saying that when you're not present, yeah, we're just going to, you know, not pay attention and sometimes affect our mood. And with so many distractions, it's not that simple, but I feel the, the alarms, uh, he calls intentional cues, you know, just to kind of like really prepare the mindset that he wants. If you want to be present, you know, prepare yourself to be present for those messages. 
that that's a great point. And and one other recommendation I'd give to anyone you know out there who's also focusing on this. Um, there's two apps that I've used in the past uh, for meditation. One is Headspace, which is is very common. The other is another mm -hmm. app called Calm. And, um, you know, they have guided meditations everywhere from five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, or however you want to do. And look, I, I, in the past, I've done it daily. I, I don't currently, you know, I, I'm not as good about doing it as possible as I, as I am, but I find using those apps and I would close the door to my office and I would do it at work helps just like working out your, you know, your body helps you get in better shape, working out your mind and practicing, quieting your thoughts, being more present. Um, helped helps me help me a lot throughout my day. So that'd be a good suggestion. Yeah, no, it really does. I started getting involved with the mental skills in 2010. But uh, so today I already had my morning session. I like to have at least two. Uh, well, at least one, but usually I shoot for two. Today I had, I had two, but I have my session in the morning of just thinking about how the day is going to go. How do I want it's meditation? It's not just, like mm, you know, it, it's right. I'm planning like, okay, what's going on? What's going through my mind? You know, so I do different types of, of uh, meditation. And I did one earlier that was body scan. It's like really thinking about sure. just breathing and the body scan. So yep. all this stuff, since my head is all over the place, you know, it really helps me. And I feel that when I don't, I like to have a, um, even if it's a five minute break, that let, let me breathe for five minutes. Let me turn, you know, just turn my phone off. It really helps me to send, especially if I feel that I'm a little agitated, man, for sure. So for everyone out there, uh, I, I heard something that I'm like, hey, if you don't have 10 minutes to, to meditate, you should meditate 20. <laughs> that means you really, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> right. so I think it's good for, for everyone, you know, to stop to just like, man, breathe, you know, and just relax. Um, so what do you say is the best advice you've ever received? And you can use any, you can use business, you can use personal, you just, whatever you, you feel like you want to share. Sure. So there, there's two things. The one I, I mentioned already, this is this idea that control is an illusion. And I, I've spent so much of my life, and especially the last 10 years, believing that I could bend the world to my will. If I just worked hard enough, if I just, you know, did this, you know, then I would guarantee an, an outcome. And continually I have found out that unfortunately I'm not quite as uh, uh, powerful as I, as I imagined to be and that a lot of things are around beyond my control. So I really, this idea of being out of control or not being in control and being comfortable with that, I think is some of the best advice I've ever received. The second is from my father who um, is actually a, a, among other things, an author and a professor of organizational behavior in business school and studies mm -hmm. a lot of management techniques. And he has this phrase, which he calls the universal management principle, which is that people don't care what you know until they know that you care. And this is this very human centric um, way of management and of leadership, which is that, and it's the same with jujitsu, you know, all of us have seen, man, world champion, you know, you know, jujitsu instructors, but if, if they don't, you know, care about the students, you know, if they're, if they're not, you know, invested in you, then it mm -hmm. doesn't matter how many titles they have, you know, that's not going to necessarily be someone who you're going to learn from, but same with managing people you know, people, people are going to do what you say if you're the boss until they just decide to leave, right? Mm -hmm. until, they, until they decide they don't want to be there anymore. But if you can show that you care about their well-being, care about their development, then people are going to be much more open to, to believing in, in the cause, to working with you, and to, to prospering with you. For sure. Now, what advice would you give to your younger self when you move to china let's say when as soon as you finish college you know what i'm going into china I had a chance to come, to have a conversation to your younger version what would you tell them oh man <laughs> I, so, so many things man so number one as i mentioned before be kinder to myself and others mm. you know man i was so hard on 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 myself and i pushed myself so so hard because you know, I didn't, 
I felt, you know, uh, I went to a good university and all my friends became doctors and became lawyers and became, went to business school and, you know, all these kind of things. And I was just, you know, I was like, man, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hustle in China. So I'm just going to work twice as hard and, you know, and, and do all these kind of things. So, um, just be kinder to myself. And then also I used to have, and I still have this fault of not suffering fools lightly. You know, I used to say, oh man, this guy, you know, they, they don't know anything or they, you know, um, and, and, and it's just not true. You know, all of us have, um, our own skills and our own perspectives. Mm -hmm. And I wish I could have been a little bit more holistic and a little more gentle in, in evaluating different influences in, in my life instead of being so harsh. Um, man, there's, there's so many others, but I, you know, that's, that's probably one of the main ones. Yeah. And every time I talk about this too, that, um, I think it's good for the listeners to think about. Cause when I, when I ask this, a lot of the listeners go back and think about, man, what, you know, what would, a would I tell myself, you know, but, uh, I think it's thinking about, um, you did the best you could with what you knew, with the emotional maturity level that you had at that moment. Exactly. It would be nice if you could have done differently. <laughs> right. But, you know, if you're in a position that you add in your life today, you had to go through, you know, as part of your book. And, and it is what it is. I, one of the things that I mention a lot here on the podcast is this, this idea of living your authentic life. And, uh, when I look at authentic life, I see a graphic from zero to hundred. I don't know if you're ever going to reach a level hundred, you know what I mean? But the thing is trying to push our authenticity as high as possible. And when I say authenticity, it's not just I dress any way I want. I say whatever I want. Yeah, you can say that part of authenticity, but I'm saying like, are you authentic to your desires? Are you doing what you really want to do? That's a different conversation, you know? So this is one of those things that to get to raise that emotional maturity level to get a, to live an even more authentic life, have to work on yourself. We have to be kinder you know, with yourself, as you mentioned, and it's a journey. You know, when I look back, some of the decisions we made, you know, business or personal look back like, wow, I had no idea, you know, <laughs> right, right. But, but you just got to forgive yourself, be kind to yourself, which is a great thing that you're saying, because I'm really big on that and on the self-forgiveness, you know, and understand it like, yeah, I did. I wish I knew different, but I don't, you know. There's a concept that, you know, it's a great point and that I'd, um, really recommend that uh, anyone listening look up. Have you heard of the Johari window? Yes. Um, yes. There are like four different. Uh... Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a major, it's, there's four quadrants and yeah. it's made up of, from two axes and it's two, I think psychologists or something, Joe and Harry or something. So they called the Johari win, uh, uh, window. Mm -hmm. And one of the access is what you know about yourself. So it goes from knowing nothing about yourself to everything about yourself. That's one axis. The other axis is what other people know about you. Okay. So this is the two. And then this creates four quadrants. Mm -hmm. So one of the quadrants is what you don't know about yourself and what other people don't know about you. So this is called the unknown, right? You, mm -hmm. you know, you could have potential that you don't know that people don't know, you know, that's just this sort of this unknown thing, right? Then there's this other quadrant on the opposite side, which is what you know about yourself and what everyone knows about you. So, you know, Gustavo Dantes, you know, amazing Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you know, world champion, all the, you know, teacher, 50-degree black belt, et cetera. Everyone knows that. You know that about you. We know that about you. But then there's other interesting quadrants. Some things, one of them is what you know about yourself, but other people don't know about you. Mm. That's called your hidden self. And that's very interesting when you start thinking about that, because you, to your point about authenticity, how authentic am I being with people? What do I know about myself that other people aren't able to see? And should I be expressing that? And then the other interesting quadrant is what you don't know about yourself, but what other people know about you. These are called your blind spots. And again, this is a very interesting thing to think about. You say, mm -hmm. Man, you know, 
um, man, Matt is just, Matt is just an impatient guy. I mean, he's just impatient. You know, I may not think I'm impatient. I may yeah. not know that about myself, you know, but, but man, everyone talk, man, he's, he's impatient. And, so, and you can, you can work on that quadrant by doing things like 360 degree evaluations or asking friends and family for feedback. So it's this interesting sort of way of thinking about how you can live your authentic self and, mm -hmm. and, and work on things. Yeah, no, this is a really cool concept. Actually, my mom introduced that to me in Portuguese. And I remember that I, that I watched some videos and I uh, got into a little bit I, years ago. So that's when you said, and I was, first I was trying to translate to make sure that was the same name in Portuguese. <laughs> sure. but I never read anything in English actually about this. And I should take a look because it's really cool. It is. There's um, everything you just explained. Um, it's really cool. And especially with the authenticity thing that it's definitely a, one of the main topics that we talk here at the podcast. Now, uh, what is a book that uh, would you like to recommend and just share with them and why? Maybe a book that made an impact on you, helping you in some way. What do you think? Absolutely. So um, a book I read, it's a short book several years ago. It's called Chasing Daylight by Eugene O'Kelly. And, um, I just, again, this is, you guys can see, I mean, listeners can hear this. I'm on this, this journey of, you know, self-discovery and, and trying to think about what's important and be kinder to myself. And, and what this book is about is it's about, um, Eugene O'Kelly was the global CEO of KPMG, which is, uh, one of the largest, uh, you know, big four accounting firms in the world. So major CEO, really wealthy, long, very successful career. And um, he describes in his book what his life was like and, you know, what he would do things like he had to meet the CEO of this company. So he was in New York and this guy was in Sydney, Australia, and he found out this guy was flying from Sydney to Perth to the other side of Australia, which is a four hour flight. So what he did is he booked a flight. He flew from New York to Sydney just so he could get on the plane next to the guy to fly from Sydney to Perth and then flew back to New York after that. So that, you know, that's like, you know, 50 hours of flying or whatever. Right. I mean, so that's like what this guy's life is like um, until he gets uh, terminal brain cancer um, and has six months to live. And um, what the book is about is about how he goes through the process of slowing down his life and realizing what's truly important to him from all this success, all this material success, all the sacrifices he's made into how to actually have what he considers perfect moments with his family and with himself. Um, I don't know if it's a spoiler, you know, or whatever, but um, you know, he, he dies, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, two thirds or three quarters of, you know, at the, but his wife finishes the, the, the book um, uh, and writes the last chapter. But, but this to me is just, you know, I mentioned this sort of motto, stay alive and stay together. You know, this guy is more successful, you know, than I'll probably ever be, you know, wealthier than I'll probably ever be. But, but you know, when things come for you, they come for you. Yeah. And so you have, to, it's all about, again, living in, in the present and trying to just be authentic and kind to yourself and others as much as possible. That's awesome. Really liked it. Should check it out. Now, getting close to the end of the interview. So what are you currently excited about? What's going on? And uh, having a second child in March. Um, there we go. That's so exciting. that's that's exciting. Um, my son is, uh, I have a young son as well who's three. And um, he's just uh, started now. I mean, I've been doing jujitsu with him since he was since he was, you know, like two months old, you know, I put you like neon belly and, you know, and like kind of move him around. But now he started going to jujitsu class and he started going to the kids class, you know, and, uh, and, uh, he'll, he'll take me down and try to choke me out. And he has an arm bar from Mount and, you know, so like, man, he teach, teaching him jujitsu is, is just so cool. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And, uh, how's the scene there? How's the jujitsu scene over there? And it's, you know, it, I've been training in China for a long time. And so going from, you know, 2008, when I was there, I was very lucky because living in Beijing, you know, my two instructors were uh, Professor Chet Quint and uh, Professor Jeff Olson were, you know, now uh, Professor Quint is a, you know, fourth degree black belt under Pedro Sauer. You know, they were, they were both Pedro Sauer black belts living mm -hmm. in Beijing. So 
pretty high level um, of, of instruction. That being said, the students, though, there used to not be many guys doing it, right? You know, so, you know, it wasn't necessarily uh, uh, as tough of an environment. Fast forward now um, in our gym, which is uh, I, I, I teach and also I'm a student at Absolute uh, MMA in Shanghai. We have um, some great black belt instructors, some really tough brown belts. As I told you, we had uh, 20, 20 people on the mat at 6 a.m. 6 a. You know, on a, on a Wednesday. You know, um, it's nice. really gotten um, more more popular. There's there's more gyms opened up in Shanghai. Um, and uh, what's great is we see our instructors, you know, Brazilian guys, um, who then they they go home and they compete in Brazil, you know, and they're mm-hmm. and they're winning in Brazil, you know. So we feel like the level in China yeah. is, you know, is uh, is 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 getting better for sure. Yeah, I can't even imagine where jujitsu is going to be in ten years from now. You know, with the growth, you know, I'm I'm super, I was at the Abu Dhabi uh, World uh, Championship this year and in Abu Dhabi. And uh, man, it was it was really cool to see just different different finals with different uh, countries and see Thailand against Japan or U.S. versus Argentina or whatever. You know, it's just yeah, really sure. cool to see the the difference. So every time I see foreigners in the the podium of IBJJF Worlds and stuff, and I'm always stoked because it's so good for the sport having different people than just Brazilians standing out you know we have a new generation of awesome awesome competitors right now you know and there's so many amazing instructors in us that you know they they're just doing and and for a lot of them uh, great instructors and they can they can have a better structure to for the athletes than a lot of the schools in brazil a lot of the guys cannot even leave you know the country visas and stuff like that so it's a challenge for them in brazil you know, that's the one, the, the, the biggest hole, you know, all the travel I do, and I've been training jiu-jitsu now for 14 years. I've never been to Brazil. You know, I've, wow. I've, so I always, mm-hmm. I hear about how things are there and, you know, and, and the training and stuff, but I need to do that uh, uh, at some point, but because uh, I, I keep hearing it's very different. To your point, um, I feel like at Worlds this year um, is like the first year that the Americans really broke through, you know, mm-hmm. um, you had... Uh, Mikey Musumeci uh, uh, winning his second world championship. You had uh, Jim, is it Jamil uh, Hill? Yeah, Jamil, yeah. Uh, winning a championship. You had was it um, Tim? No, not Tim Spriggs. There's one I think, other. I think Jamil. I think he was. Uh, I think he lost in a semi in a uh, I think a very very tough match with Cabrinha, but uh, um, I think it was even a tie or something. Um, if I'm correct. You know, and then we had Tommy from Norway was in the final. Then Aspen yeah. took third. Yeah, As- yeah, Aspen Matisse. Yeah, I mean, these gathers yeah, really seemed like there was a, a more diverse uh, uh, group of, of nationalities on the podium. Yeah, no, it's it's you know, I'm definitely excited for that. I'm stoked. So, thank you so much, Matt, for your time. Really appreciate it. Um, any anything else that you'd like to to share with the listeners? How they can connect with you? What do you say? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, uh, if anyone is ever in China or ever wants to get in touch with me, um, you know, the best way to find me is on LinkedIn, uh, where, uh, uh, Gustavo, where you, you found me. Um, I, uh, I don't know. I'm like a weird guy. Like I don't, I don't use Facebook. I don't use Instagram. I don't use Twitter. I don't have any of that kind of stuff. So, so LinkedIn, um, just search for Matt Hutner, um, is the best way to find me. Um, and uh, if anyone is ever in China, in Shanghai, um, please, please reach out. We'd love to have you um, at the gym. Love to have you to train. Awesome. Thank you so much. And for all the listeners, just stick around for my final thoughts. Oos. Let me share with you my final thoughts from the interview with first degree black belt Matt Hutner. If you're listening just to the final thoughts, Matt is originally from Boston and now lives in Shanghai, and he's the president of Vitaco Health Group. He dropped a lot of good wisdom. He mentioned that execution trumps strategy, which means take action, get it going, and believe in yourself. Like Matt said, if you don't believe in yourself, who will? And I'm not sure what your main takeaway was, but mine was the concept of the Johari window. 
and I decided to research more to expand on this very interesting topic as it can be valuable to everyone, including you and your staff if you have employees. The concept was developed in the mid-50s by Joseph Luft and Harry Ingram. Joe and Harry created the Joe Harry window. It's a tool that helps people better understand their relationships with themselves, self-awareness, and others' social awareness. If you want to develop a positive and rational business or even a relationship with someone, this is a great resource. Imagine four quadrants with two axes. The one at the top says, known by yourself or not, and the other one says, known by others or not. I'll post a picture of the Johari window in the post of this episode at the BJJMetalCoachPodcast.com. And as Matt said, each quadrant represents a different area. The first one is the open area, what others know about you and you know too. He mentioned me as an example. Gustavo is a fifth degree black belt, has an academy, tournament promoter, has a podcast and so forth. The next one is the blind area, what others know about you but you don't. Maybe can come across as intimidating and oftentimes arrogant, even though you don't mean to. That is a blind spot. Hidden area. What others don't know about you, but you do. Basically, it's your secrets. How much information about yourself would you like to share with others? That's up to you. And the fourth one is the unknown area. What others don't know about you, and you don't know either. The goal of the model is to make the open area as large as possible and make the blind, hidden, and unknown as small as possible if you wish to develop an even more meaningful and rational relationship personally and or professionally. Now, we might be asking, how do we do that? How do we expand our open area? Now, there are two main actions to be taking. The first one is self-disclosure. Self-disclosure is a process of communication by which one person reveals information about himself or herself to another. The suggestion is to start attacking the hidden area with self-disclosure. You choose to share or expose more of yourself or not. Remember, the hidden area is what others don't know about you and you do. So since Matt used me as an example for the open area where is what others know about you and you know too, like I have a school, a podcast, so forth, Let's keep using me as an example because the goal is to enlarge my open area with you. The same way you have personal associations in your life, you also have virtual associations as well. Good and not so good ones. For example, one positive virtual association that I have is with Brenda Bouchard, the world's leading high-performance coach. And as a certified high-performance coach, through his program, I consume a lot of his personal development content, and it has made a big impact on me. And I want to be a virtual association for you as well through the podcast. And if you think about it, every time I release an episode, my relationship with you, the listener, gets richer, and my open era gets enlarged. Why? Because even though I am a virtual association for you, or not for some people who already know me personally... The hidden area gets a little smaller when I disclose something with you that I knew, but you didn't know about me, especially when I share with you something personal like dealing with social anxiety, which is nice so you can get to know me better. The second one is feedback. Expanding yourself to the blind area where they know something that you don't know involves both asking and receiving constructive feedback. Then self-disclosure and feedback will provide you knowledge to more and more get to know the unknown area, and altogether we'll continue to enlarge the open area. Have you ever been in a situation at work, school, or whatever, in which multiple people make complaints and or observations about a specific individual? Here's the thing. I read that sharing feedback is a lot like the green tail story. Quote, if someone says you have a green tail, the person is crazy. If two people say it's a conspiracy. If seven people say that you have a green tail, you turn around and look, unquote. Self-acceptance and growth mindset are crucial when asking or receiving feedback. Accept the fact that you are a human being with good and not-so-good qualities, and it's your job to work on the not-so-good qualities with a growth mindset to keep growing your open area with people that you wish to develop a good and healthy relationship 
I always mention the motivational speaker's Les Brown's quote, quote, someone's opinion of you don't have to become your reality, unquote. However, if seven people are saying so, turn around and look. I'm not sure if you have ever received any constructive or negative feedback in a way towards your work and or your personality. This has definitely happened with me and it sucks. There were times in my life when I was younger that when someone gave me the feedback, I had the fixed mindset and I would defend myself. Now for the past 10 years, I started to implement more and more the growth mindset to reevaluate the feedbacks that I receive. And I'm going to share with you a blind spot that I had and it has been a hidden area to you in our relationship per se until now. Multiple people have told me, Gustavo, do you know that you can come across very intimidating and some people even said oftentimes arrogant? Of course, no one would like to hear these types of feedback. However, if seven people say you have a green tail, you turn around and look, right? So I understand where they're coming from and I don't blame them. As I already mentioned to you, I have struggled with social anxiety for a long time and oftentimes, especially in tournaments, I would get overwhelmed and I would avoid interactions. On the top of that with my ADHD, most of the time I'm on Gustavo's Little Planet anyway. And since the feedback, I have been working on myself very hard for the past few years to become more mindful and present. However, I have so much to improve though. If you ever had this experience with me or had this perception about me, screw you. Just kidding. I truly apologize. And as I mentioned, I'm consistently working on myself. And I feel that all my successes and failures that I share with you on the podcast are 100% genuine and with the intentions of being a very positive virtual association in your life. And to wrap up, the Johari window is a tool that can improve your self-awareness and your social awareness. Thank you, Matt, for bringing the concept to the podcast. Reflect on your blind and hidden areas, ask for feedback, and use self-disclosure, and you will be able to minimize the unknown area and keep growing the open area. Oh, We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. But the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com.